everybody. Welcome to episode six of 8-Bit Bytes. I am your host, Cliff Johnson, and I am joined today by our good friends, Dylan. The Dylan. The Back Dylan. Back at it. Sorry. Another episode of this. <laughs> and of course, Hans. Hi. He's there. So we're trying out some new ways to record today. So hopefully they work. Uh, if so, this is going to just revolutionize everything we do. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Uh, in today's episode, we are actually going to talk about Disney video games. This was a uh, subject that was brought to us by our good friend, Joe Coleslaw. He uh, just wanted us to dive into the history of Disney licensed games between the SNES and Sega. Obviously, going forward, you know, they just made a ton of great games back in the day. Lion King, Aladdin, Toy Story, uh, Chip and Dale, and DuckTales and just a bunch of amazing stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, some news. We got some stuff from Arcade One Up. Uh, is it more little teeny short arcade games? It is definitely that. Even teenier arcade games now. They're Fantastic. They can and get smaller. They I, can. I barely. I don't know how. Uh, and then there is some new Stern Pinball machines out there in the uh the world now uh we're going to talk about a bunch of disney stuff and then i think we have a question from Vinny. we do because every podcast we do needs to have a uh, has a have a question from Vinny. so uh well let's get started we'll uh dylan's here dylan what are we doing news excellent (laughs) all right so tell us still trying to find the notes a little (laughs) bit behind i will send them to you I, i got it i just just try to figure out yeah, how, no, how no, notes work. I got it. I got you it. Got I'm it. ready. I knew you'd get it. They're very uh, I apologize. No, no, they're fine. So tell us about uh, tiny Arcade 1-Up stuff. So CES was a couple weeks ago, and Arcade 1-Up pretty much had like a 2,000-square-foot booth and a trailer, like massive, you know, semi-trailer. And really? they brought out tons of new games. They brought out not only new, you know, stand-up, mini games but they also brought out cocktails you know a standard cocktail like you'd see back in pizza hut and things like that back in the day so sit down with player on each side so they have all their games in that form factor now they also now have tabletop games like you kind of we've talked about doing like uh yeah mame emulators and like a tabletop kind of barcade kind of thing and they also now have and i don't know how i, I feel like i've ripped this off the wall but they have ones you mount on your wall wait how uh, That's a cool idea because it can be at the height you want it. Exactly. I'm into it. And I hope you don't <laughs> grow. I think I'm done growing. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, but. <laughs> Dylan's going to hit 30s all of a sudden seven feet tall. Yeah. So so now, now, just to back up a bit, uh, counter uh, a cocktail style ones, are those, I know. Like I've seen your stuff that you have some that are kind of like tent shaped, like they're they're V shaped. Yeah. That's not a that's not a cocktail one, correct? Well, that's Nintendo's version of a cocktail, or actually one of Nintendo's version of a cocktail. Yes, um, but a real cocktail is the top looks like almost like a bar top. You know, it's a you sit it's, on a stool height and it's flat, and flat, the monitor's yeah. facing straight up, and you know your joysticks are down, kind of under at your almost knee level knees. Yeah. I used to play uh Pac-Man at uh, the pizza hut by my, uh, my house had, uh, had one of those. Yeah. They were very popular in bars and uh, pizza joints actually. That's yeah. what you see yeah. too. Um, but yeah, so they have three <laughs> new types. No, no, of- we got to dig more into this wall mount stuff though. Cause I don't understand how, how do you wall mount an arcade game? Um, it's, 
you have to search for it. Arcade One Up. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures from CES. I I assume what they're doing is they give you really big things you just screw into your studs. I think it's a wood screw. <laughs> yeah, a really big, you know, and hope you don't put it into your drywall. Interesting. So, so I assume they're not. Are they as deep as a normal arcade? No. So that's the thing. They're like maybe a foot. They're kind of like their barcades, but even kind of skinnier. Um, and yeah, it's probably I'd say maybe eight inches of thing, just enough for the LCD and whatever equipment, and then the control yeah. panel underneath it. But the control panel sticks out like your normal control panel, right? So you're not playing it up against the wall. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. I mean, well, we'll see. They haven't said well, how expensive it's going to be yet. Theoretically, that's a really cool idea. I mean, I could see just having like I have I would have a very hard time fitting a stand-up arcade game in my I mean my current house almost any house that I can foreseeably see um but would have an extra hard time fitting more than one um and I mean the arcade one-up stuff doesn't seem like the quality has been spectacular lately um so putting something that's like at least semi-permanent into your wall might be a mistake, but the idea is really cool. And maybe someone else can take that idea and make something awesome with it instead of uh, the, I, I just know you said that the arcade one up stuff has been having a problem with like broken buttons and stuff that's wearing off and Artwork. so work well. And so that's actually something interesting. They showed off at CES um, up until now, and they still are um, the, the paint they used on the control panels are terrible. So after, you know, a couple of days of rigorous play, you know, say eight, 10, 15 hours, whatever it starts, the, the control panel paint wears off. And so you have this terrible looking control panel, right? That's just blank, you know, or all torn up and they've been sending out new plastic um, covers and new art for all of their games up until now, except at CES, they were showing off retail packaging for replacement control panels. Interesting. So, so that kind of worries me a bit. That they're like, oh, hey, there wasn't really a – they're just trying to monetize things. It's a bummer that, like, they're the big player in the market. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the only player in, like, what I would call, like, the consumer market for arcade games, like, there's no one else that is selling the stuff at Walmart, right? No, I think you're right. And they're they're fully licensed, too. So, you know, that – it supposedly fully licensed from all these companies, Capcom and whoever it's kind else. It's a bummer so. that, that the stuff just isn't as high of a quality as, as you and I would like or that anybody would like. So It, it is a step down from Ikea, like I've said before. I, I, I'm <laughs> right. happy I have one, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so what's interesting, yeah, I'll be honest, there is one I'm kind of digging on. They put out a Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3. Which, you know, they had a Street Fighter before, and, uh, you know, Street Fighter 2, okay, that's fine. But Mortal Kombat with all three of those games, that you know. I'm, that's your thing. I, I think if I got it, I would have to replace the joysticks, you know, put in real, yeah. like, have competition sticks. But, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see maybe. Mortal if it, Kombat if was it never drops. my game, really. Uh, like, I was always a Street Fighter guy, so teach their own. What uh, it looks like they've released a bunch of new cabinets. Were these all at CES that they debuted, or they were? So there's the Mortal Kombat cabinet, a Golden Tea cabinet, which you know makes a lot of people's basements really happy. I'm sure. Is that golf? It is. Yeah. Is so, it the one with the rolly ball? Yeah, that's called a trackball. <laughs> a rolly ball. Yeah, I, I, I would if I would have thought harder, I would have come <laughs> up with trackball. But I was like rolly ball. I like rolly it, ball. It, it does the thing. Yeah, they that's, are now rolly balls. That's We're, the reason. We brought Dylan to this podcast is is rolling balls. What, that, oh, 
strike so that. the rolly balls when were those first introduced like is that a is that a golf game thing or was no. that introduced elsewhere uh, Atari. They're like, hey that would work for golf even yeah. though i don't know if it really does I don't like it. I don't play golf games, so I don't yeah, know. I always found it kind of strange, but I guess like it does have some sort of simulation for like hitting a certain velocity, I guess. Maybe. I always like it for um, bowling games. Bowling games, it seems to bowling make would sense. make more a little bit yeah. more sense, I think. Um, but. but Atari was a big fan of those back in the day, right? Centipede, Millipede, Missile Command, Marble Madness. There were a bunch of trackball games back in the day. Crystal Caverns. Crystal Castles. Cavs, right, whatever. <laughs> um, I Crystal Castles is interesting because it's the trackball lit up from inside and it glowed and things. Um, that's really? Dope. Yeah. Like I, my I don't Razor remember keyboard. that at all. Yeah. It's, it's like the same thing. Yeah. That's where, you know, uh, Razor got their idea. They looked at a Crystal Castles and was like, oh, that's neat. They're like, we need a rolly ball. Yeah, we need <laughs> it's a new rolly, rolly, rolly ball, cow. <laughs> How cool would that be? Um, so... The Golden Tee is kind of – it's weird, right? Because it's it's like all sports games where, you know, there's sports game 1998, sports game 1999. <laughs> and they've done that in this Golden Tee game where they've got like five years worth of Golden Tee games, you know. and uh, I don't know. That's weird. Um, and then the next one's even stranger, Space Invaders. And Space Invaders is a great game, cool cabinet, but you're paying the same price for that. It, it only has Space Invaders color and Space Invaders black and white, whereas a lot of the other cabinets come with three or five or even 12 different games, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to need you to back up a second there and tell me more about Space Invaders black and white. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back in the day, you know, before color, you know, TVs were not expensive, there were a bunch of video games that were in black and white and space invaders was one of them asteroids you know they would light up kind of a uh a, almost like a, a a a matte painting behind it and then you'd play on top of the matte painting it, they'd use a mirror so really yeah 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 space invaders is kind of cool that way um that it does that. i i have literally never seen that i've never even heard of it and it's so weird to me to think that i mean that even in the late 70s that color tvs would have been expensive enough not to I mean, could you imagine going to an arcade and going like, well, I guess I'll play this black and white video game. That's so strange. Well, I mean, come on, Pong, Omega Race. There are a bunch of games back then that I mean, were I, black and white. Or, I guess so. Or vector games had one or two colors, right? I mean, think about Asteroids. Yeah. It was one color. I mean, I guess I guess in, in, in their defense, like I played a lot of the original Elite, and that game is effectively black and white, and it's all vector, so... Yeah, I, I guess. I guess I just never really thought about that game being black and white as opposed to – that's interesting. That's really interesting. Huh. I, I can like you get – can you get like ROMs of that? Because I kind of want to see what it looks like now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, You got to yeah. be able to, right? Huh. Well, I mean, right. sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, keep, keep – what else we got? So there's a Karate Champ cabinet, which is kind of interesting. It's a strange selection of Data East games. So you get Bad Dudes, which is super cool. Love bad dudes. Um, and karate one Chan. of my favorites. It is super good, but then you get like Burger Time, which is a. Yeah. yeah I love Burger Time, but it just yeah. doesn't seem to fit with that. Uh, with, with the Karate Champ and like Bad that. Dudes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Caveman Ninja. Those are all kind of like scrolling. Yeah, there's a games. there's a fighting theme here, and then it's like let's do burgers. What's it's like uh, Donkey Kong burgers? So Karate Champ is one of my also one of my favorite games. I really like that. Uh, I played that on a bunch of the Commodore, but I am not familiar with Caveman Ninja. What's that? It's an old kind of scrolling fighting game, you know, oh, uh, right. you know, ghosts and goblins kind of thing. Interesting. It's, not, so f- it's interesting that it's on there because it's not, well, I shouldn't say 
it's not popular. I have a lot of games that I think I love and other people don't think are very popular, but yeah. you know, I don't caveman ninja never like people aren't like, Oh my God, I need a caveman ninja. You know? Yeah. I've never heard of it before. Interesting. Yeah. That's a burger time is a really weird addition to that set of games. I don't quite get that. So, all right. Yeah. What so, else? What you get the final fight cabinet. So you've got, and that one's neat because it's got ghosts and goblins and 1944 and strider. So it's a, it's four really interesting games. Um, Again, man, kind of a weird grouping though, right? It is right. Cause you've got like side scrolling and then you've got the top down 1944, which is, you know, the, one I of the will first admit top down games. I love, I love all those games. 1942, 1943 and 1944 are like my jam. I'm a big fan. They're good games. I like them quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to fit. No, no, just uh, totally out of out of context. But maybe maybe that's the idea. Maybe give them variety. Yeah, maybe that's kind of the idea. Is that if you you know if you can't stuff it full of great games, maybe stuff it full of, or, or maybe maybe the theory is that people are going to buy one of these. They they aren't going to buy seventeen of these. Maybe you just kind of give people a variety of games to play. But still strange. Yeah, and, and maybe that, if you like you like fighting games, but your significant other would rather uh, make burgers. Burger time. I mean, I out of all of those, <laughs> I think Burger Time I'd like to do the most. So yeah, you know that game yeah. is super fun. I uh, also they also burger. they didn't have yeah burgers are good. Mm-hmm. Burger cast. <laughs> Ooh, keep write that one down. All right. <laughs> write that one down. Eight bit burgers. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. That, oh, that's a that's a good name for a burger chain, right? Eight-bit it is like a retro burger chain. Yeah, with an Ooh. arcade on the side. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ooh. I love that idea. I love that idea. And then you know they they had some of these things with signs on them that said, "Hey, we don't have licensing for it yet, but we've done this artwork." So they had a Dig Dug cabinet, uh, which also was kind of lame because it was just Dig Dug and Dig Dug Two, and Dig Dug Two oh. kind of meh. I've never uh, played Dig Dug 2. I love the first Dig Dug. Yes. Dig Dug is one of my favorite games. Dig Dug 2, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to play Dig have, Dug. I, I want to play Dig Dug with like with a bunch of lives so I can actually see more than the first like four levels of Dig Dug. It's um, doable. Just yeah. keep up with this especially. Yeah. But yeah. There's, I think there's cheaper and easier ways to do that. You know? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, they had a Defender cabinet, which they didn't show any other games on it but Defender. However, they had <laughs> controls on it to where I think I actually put in the notes, I think it might be a Williams Multi. So they might have like Stargate or, well, Stargate was Defender 2, but maybe have um, Bubble Bobble or uh, Joust. Because they've already got Joust in another cabinet. But I was thinking maybe we'd see um, Robotron or something like that as well. I think a Defender cabinet with with Robotron, with Joust. Joust is another great game. Oddly enough, another great game that I used to play at the Pizza Hut by my house. Like, that'd be great. That'd be real fun. Yeah, that one. And those, the Williams games like those are, are I wouldn't call them rare, but they're in high demand because they're such great games. Yeah. So, so Defender, Moon Patrol, Bubble Bobble, all those, Sinistar. So that might actually be one that's worth picking up just because it's hard to find the originals. Sure. Um, And then... That's about it from CS. I mean, they literally had like 2,000 square feet on the CS floor. It was That's kind of incredible. crazy. That's um, crazy. Yeah, and I guess they were busy most of the time from all reports. Right down the aisle was Stern Pinball showing off their new pinball machine, which is kind of interesting. And the game looks really fun. It has some really innovative features um, designed very well from what I can tell. However, 
the theme is a little odd to me. It's the Munsters. See, and um, I, you told me about this, and I, it's only strange to me just because, like, do kids these days? Hell, I mean, Munsters is old for you and I. Yes, you know. Let alone, I mean, that being said, I watched the Munsters a bunch as a kid. I've watched the Munsters recently. Like, you can stream it, but. Like, is it, is the Munsters kind of evergreen? I mean, do you think that, do you think that people of the appropriate age and appropriate, uh, no. you know, proclivity, what, what, what was the, what was the reaction to it? Do you know? Uh, it, I haven't seen, it hasn't been out in public much. I haven't sure. seen much public reaction. Um, the reaction from people who have played it seem to think it's a really fun game. Um, it's, I, I think it's a strange choice from Stern. You know, one of the, like, top five pinball machines of all times is Adam's family. Right. Yeah. But that came out in the mid nineties as the movies were coming out, there was the resurgence of Adam's family. It was popular. The money's made the, the money's the movies made tons of money. The pinball machine came out and it, like I said, it, it, I think it's the most produced pinball machine ever made. It's so and weird. It, one of the best, it really is good. And I'm not sure if Stern was just like, Hey, let's go with another movie monster family. But there's nothing that would have spurned that, right? Like Dylan, have you? Do you know what the monsters are? Have you ever seen a monsters? Yes, I have seen a monsters, but probably only because like my dad would know what the monsters are, yeah. and like it, whether it was on like Nick at Night or something to that effect. I don't know exactly where it would have been. Um, but I also know the monsters because I used to be called Cousin It. Yeah, because um, when I had longer hair, that's what that was my nickname. But so, see, Cousin It is from Adam's family. Oh yeah, then that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you might have of. just made your point, Hans. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. Mean, unfortunately, yeah, I don't. You know, we'll see. Will they sell? I'm sure they'll sell to some people. I'm not sure. You know, like they've put a, the last one before this was Deadpool. And lots of bars bought that, right? That's yeah. it's irreverent, it's fun. You know, I'm just not sure where their audience is going to be. A bunch of, you know, because honestly, like you said, I mean, I'm 42. We're about the same age, Cliff. It that doesn't do anything for us, you know. No. So I think 50s and 60 year olds person might have. Love Maybe the theory it, is that like boomers have the expendable cash to put five grand down on a pinball machine. Well, that's fine, and I'll put down five grand on a pinball machine. But give me something like not eight. if it's the monsters. Yeah. yeah, they got me at Ghostbusters. They got me at Guardians. Give me Battlestar Galactica. Give me Knight Rider. Get well, yeah. not Knight Rider, but actually, I'd <laughs> buy, I probably would buy Knight Rider. That's terrible. Yeah. But you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, they, I think they missed their mark by about twenty years. Maybe the reality is though. Like, I think you made a really good point though of the. You know, the marketing department's just like slightly out of touch. Like, oh my gosh, that Adam family pinball machine, it sold a bajillion things. It must be because people like, you know, spooky TV shows and hey, we can't get the Adam family license, but we get the monster license. Like, is this, is this the like Marvel DC universe argument of pinball machines? Oh, I wonder. You know, like we, we can't get, we can't get Iron Man, but hey, Aquaman's just as good. <laughs> I just want to take this opportunity to mock the Aquaman movie on two podcasts in a row. Like that's, that's really what I want to do. So <laughs> what do you do? Have you seen it yet? No. Aquaman, no. <laughs> that's my suggestion. Don't. <laughs> Although your kids might like it. My, my kid loved it. So who knows? we'll see it when it hits the, you know, Blu-ray. But, when you have your own theater in your house, like, you know, 
things are different. Uh, are we ready to talk Disney? Sure. So this is uh, like, I guess, full disclosure. I mean, I don't need to actually disclose anything. It doesn't matter. But but uh, both Hans and I are are Disney nerds. Like this, that's our that's how we know each other. That's uh, that's how we spend most of our expendable money. Uh, so this is actually a very exciting uh, discussion for me to talk about old Disney games that I've not actually played a ton of. But man, looking through this list, there was there was some talent making Disney games in the mid eighties that uh, made some incredible games in the early nineties. So I, I, the way I look at it is that Disney trained a bunch of people to make amazing video games in the eighties so they could make amazing video games that I did play in the nineties. So uh, what do we, we want to start with uh, Nintendo and Atari early? No, well, so I we're think- starting, we're starting arcade. Well, now you can. It kind of Nintendo's a little bit earlier before with their game lead us and watch through. Systems. Lead us on a journey. That's what I'm so, saying, Hans. Okay. Well, so we'll start with the game and watch. I don't know. I mean, you guys all know game, Mr. Game and Watch from Smash. I do know Mr. Game and Watch from Smash. I do oh. not know Mr. Game and Watch from Smash because I've never played Smash. Oh boy. Well, here Dylan and I can talk for a minute. <laughs> Perfect. So, there you go. <laughs> back in the uh, early '80s, there were these little Game and Watch devices. Right? It was a. Uh, uh, their precursor to a DS. It was maybe three inches by four inches, maybe sometime a little bit bigger than that. I would love to have one, but they're really collectible right now. Um, and they were like, you know, you'd buy those uh, little arcade games that was, you know, a very kind of cruddy LCD that would have like, they would light up in one spot and that'd be there. And then you push left or right and it would light up in another spot. Right. I don't know if you guys ever played those when you were kids. I had a bunch of little racing games that way. Um, I had a football game that was that. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. So they they started with that and had a Mickey Mouse one and a Mickey and Donald. And they had like, you know, Donkey Kong and a bunch of other Nintendo licenses, too. But I think that was going through my research. I think that was the first license that Disney gave out uh, to Nintendo for those little game and watch things. Kind of black and white. Uh, That's cool. Early things. They look real cool. We yeah, should totally yeah, do an episode now that I'm thinking about it on those little crappy handhelds that you used to be able to buy for like 20 bucks at Toys R Us that uh, were just black and white screens that were terrible games. Like you oh, just that's what back I'm talking forth. about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We should do an yeah, entire yeah. episode of those. Those were fun. Yeah. Uh, and then we should talk about talk about the ones that were actually pretty cool that, you know, uh, they made some of the arcades in little yeah. bit of arcade cabinets. Um, that's cool. Like Frogger and things. But anyways, sorry. Um, so after that, uh, Tron, a wonderful movie that I love dearly, came out. And uh, about six, seven months before the movie was to come out, while they were filming it, they decided they wanted to make the tagline of the game, watch the movie, play the game. Oh, that's cool. Um, so they gave it to Midway, Bally Midway, and said, hey, you have three months to develop this. Oh, wow. Um, so... That isn't a long time, is it? No, there was back then. I think there were four people on the team actually writing. You know, one person was the designer, one person was actually writing all the code, um, and they did. They made four mini games based off the script of the game. But you know, and actually, we'll kind of talk about Disney kind of failing at tying into movies a little bit later with a different game. But you know, with Tron, it was. They, they actually had five games on the docket and they could only get four games in and done on time. And what's really fun is if you play Tron, come over, play Tron. Um, one of the games is all about grid bugs. And I don't yeah. know if you remember the movie 
they cut the grid bugs pretty much out of the movie, whereas they were supposed to be a huge scene. And so it's kind of interesting that they were writing the, the game as they were filming. And then they came back and were like, oh, hey, the grid bugs weren't part of the movie. You need to take it out uh-huh. of your game. And they were like, uh. so i will tell you two things one is that i've only seen tron once and i saw it in like when did tron 2 come out yeah tron legacy yeah um i don't know 10 yeah yeah so i saw tron in like 2009 (laughs) 2010 maybe 2011 it does it didn't age well if you don't have any nostalgia in case you're wondering um uh, now, excuse me. I think it aged perfectly because that's because you have special effects. <laughs> well, and seeing what they did with those special effects and early computer graphics. Yeah. Way oh, I'm I'm sure incredible. they were, but they're not great if you've <laughs> come to it in 2011. Don't watch um, the last Starfighter then. Oh, God. see, but I have tons of nostalgia for the last Starfighter, so that movie's amazing. Uh, it's just all about perspective. Um, but the the Tron arcade game is. so so incredible. Um, I used to play that in Nickel Arcade all the time. And so I've actually probably spent almost as much time playing the Tron Arcade game as I've actually played watching Tron movies. But like that game is absolutely incredible. You own one of those? Yes, I do. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah. It was, it's interesting that it was so that, you know, they actually had the fifth game done. So they actually, there is a second Tron cabinet called Discs of Tron. Oh, very cool. Is, which is just the fifth game that they were going to the fifth mini game, but they kind of beefed it up and put it out a few uh, year or so after the movie. Very cool. Um, so that is, I think the early parts, you know, before we get into the Atari and then we get, and I don't, I've never played the, any of the Atari games like Sorcerer's no. Apprentice in 83. I didn't, I didn't even know that existed until I started doing some research so were you shocked though like we came across the wikipedia list of just like all the video games that disney has made were you shocked by how extensive that was like it went on forever it certainly did and you know interestingly enough i'm kind of shocked well i'm not shocked that disney likes money so they'll license to anyone um i was shocked at the amount of those games that i remembered and remembered them being good yeah. Well, and how many of them were like uh, the range of educational games they made too? Oh yeah. Like, there's I mean, a lot of educational games. Yeah. The, you know, how many movie tie-in games are good, right? Oh, none. Yeah. I mean, very few, right? But Tron was great. You know, I think, and a few of the games you talk about, you know, maybe didn't tie into movies, but they tied into the Disney afternoon or something and it. They actually did well. Did well. Yeah, they were did good really games. Well. Yeah. All right. So what's up next? Nintendo. So, yeah, then we start getting into the Nintendo. Well, actually, before Nintendo, we go and talk about Sierra. Oh, okay. Um, I love talking about Sierra. So Sierra is something I spent a lot of time playing their games when I was a kid, you know. So that's the Police Quest, King's Quest, uh, Leisure Suit Larry series, the yep. you know, all of those. Uh Quest for Glory. Bunch of different quests, yeah. right? All the quest games. When you say it that way, it doesn't sound as fun <laughs> as it actually is. Yeah. Space Quest. Uh well, I was just thinking of Leisure Suit Larry as a quest. <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry <laughs> Quest. Ultimately it's a quest game. I think actually one of them actually has quest in the title, so yeah. Yeah. Um so before any of the quest games that we so love, Disney gave them quite a bit of licensing and they actually did a number of educational games, um, a bunch that I played on my Commodore 64. But what was interesting is that like Roberta Williams of King's Quest fame yeah. did, spa- did Mickey's Space Adventure, you know, Mark Crow and Scott Murphy of Space Quest 
fame did the Black Cauldron game. And the Black Cauldron game, I don't know if you remember the movie. The movie didn't do very well. I I love the movie. Oh, it I love that movie. Of, it bombed hard at the box office, but the game was great as well, you know. So, um, and then then you have Al Lowe of Leisure Suit Larry fame doing the Donald Duck's Playground and Winnie the Pooh. Before. That is just amazing. It's one of those things that it had to happen in that order, though, because you can't. You have to give Al Lowe those games before Leisure Suit Larry, because after Leisure, I mean, I don't know if Al Lowe made a game after Leisure Suit Larry. Like, I think he cemented his uh, legacy. Uh, exactly, exactly. So you know that that gets us up to about eighty eight, and this is when Disney actually tried self publishing and developing their own game. Uh, the reason they did that was because. They had they decided they wanted a Who Framed Roger Rabbit game nine months before the movie came out, and no one was willing to do it for them. Wow! Yeah, they couldn't throw enough money at anyone in the industry to make a game for them with that kind of lead time. So they decided to do it themselves. How did that go? I don't know. I've never played it. <laughs> <laughs> Reviews say it's good, though. So I don't know. I should actually. Could you imagine making a game in ninety days? I mean, obviously things were different back then. Like, you know, you didn't you you didn't have to make four K assets, and you didn't have to you know have a team of two thousand people making a game for six years, and and so on and so forth. But I mean, just making it fully. Yeah, exactly. But that's exactly it. That you were programming these things in straight C, like probably uh, not even C plus plus. Probably at that point, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I mean mid eighties. Yeah, but either way, like that's a that's that's hard. That's really really hard, <laughs> especially when you're working within the constraints of the uh, you know like the color constraints and the the hardware constraints. Like that's that's incredible that you could make a game like that in three months or 90 days or whatever. That's crazy. And then uh, from the, this, actually the article is linked at the bottom. I, we should put that in the show notes for everybody yeah. to read. It's a really interesting article on Disney's uh, in their game industry, but they, they didn't want to make cartridge based games. They decided they could do floppies and CDs and they, they went the educational route and started. That's when they gave all the good stuff to uh, Nintendo and Sega and well, Capcom and those different, mostly a lot of Capcom games. A lot of Capcom Um, games. And that's when we start getting the really cool NES games that we remember, you know, the DuckTales, the Chippendale, the Tailspin, um, and gosh, all of those. All of those. Actually, and and from what I can tell from Capcom, it was just they made those and they made sequels to all of them that weren't quite as good. Um, Yes. (laughs) I, uh, so I got the Disney Afternoon Collection, which is available, I think, on all major systems. Now, I'm not sure it's on the Switch, but I got it. I have it on the Xbox. I know it's on the PS4. I know it's available on Steam. And uh, it's incredible to go back to those games and just see how, how, not only how well done they are, but how much they they take on the feel of those those TV shows, um, but also just how brutally difficult they are. Um, the they have a like a mechanic where you can hit like the on, on an Xbox anyway. You hit the right uh, bumper and it'll just, you can just rewind. So you get hit by a bad guy, you can rewind. You get knocked off a ledge, you can rewind. And they're still really 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 hard. Um, Ducktales, I got all the way through it and. On the final level, they put you back into another level where you have to find your way through to, to beat the final bad guy. I couldn't find him because the levels are so just mazy. And it's like, oh, you didn't find him. Game's over. And I'm like, but 
I can rewind. They're like, oh, you can't rewind that far. And so literally I have to go back to my save, beat the final two levels and then do that again. And I'm, I'm like in my head, I'm thinking like if I was playing this on an NES, every single time I almost died, I would have had to start over because you only got one life. Like, I don't even understand how I, I can't believe anyone ever beat that game in real life on a Nintendo. It just, it, it's impossible that someone beat DuckTales. I don't, I don't well, think I mean, true. you know, I think we've talked about this before. Back in the day, you didn't have 2,000 games in your Steam library, right? You had yeah, two or true. three games and you, you were a kid. So you'd spend all weekend long playing this game. You'd leave your NES on and go, yeah. you know, hope it didn't crash. <laughs> the number of times yeah. I left my NES on for more than 48 hours was more than one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, Dragon Warrior, I did that all the time. Oh, Dragon Warrior was such a good game. I know that's what we're talking about, but Dragon Warrior was such a good game. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the things like that. Uh, so, Dylan, where do you come in here? Did you play any of these back in the day? No, like never. <laughs> like almost, no. almost any of these. I don't think I've ever played them. Other than I think there was some of the Sega games that I had played, but I do not remember at all. So you don't remember was... Lion King and how hard it was. That that's I like I remember I remember the cartridge of it for the Sega, but it was also I was also two when that came out. So <laughs> I was I in high school. Dylan I think was two. Neighbors had it, and I was so I would probably was like in like I was probably six when I like saw that game. Uh, maybe and that was years after it had come out. So yeah, I you know and that's the funny thing is is I think that I kind of. I kind of think I was, I fell in kind of a weird place in these games in that I should have been playing the NES ones, but I don't really remember playing any of them in the eighties, uh, which would have been the perfect time for me to play. I don't know if I was just playing other stuff on the Nintendo at that point in game you know, time, or um, if I just missed them, but I loved DuckTales. I loved Chippendale. I loved Tailspin. So I don't know why I wouldn't have played those games then, but I don't remember doing it. But then by the time the SNES games came out, I mean, in 93, I was a sophomore in high school. Like I wasn't, playing i wasn't playing the lion king game <laughs> um, oh i was but you know did you grow like i mean obviously we're both big disney fans now but did you grow up as a big disney fan yes yeah see my I family did. we went once or twice you know once a year if not you know once every other year to disney so yeah i went to disneyland for a single day when i was six and a single day when i was 16 and you know i i I didn't have any, I've, you know, obviously one other brother. We, you know, we had Disney movies. We had, you know, some of them on VHS, but I think a lot of them we like borrowed from other people. We didn't, it wasn't a big thing in my house until I got married and then it took over my entire life. So, you know, I just, I, I didn't play any of those games and now I feel kind of, kind of bad about it. <laughs> well, you have the um, collection. You can thank God. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But now I kind of want them to re-release the, the Lion Kings and the, you know, those, those nineties, game somewhere as a collection too with that same treatment because god the treatment is so well done um have you have you played the afternoon collection at all i have not because i have most of them on cartridge so I it's still it's really cool because they actually uh have like box scans of all the the boxes and uh like they scanned in the manuals and it's just it's really well done you can play them widescreen at 1080 it's it's a really it's a really well done presentation yeah get it on the switch that'd be a good platform for it yeah oh it would be such a fun twitch thing to do i should you know they're and they're short enough that you could probably actually plow through most of them in like an hour hour and a half if you didn't 
care about, you know, like cheating your way through them. So it would actually be good for short Twitch streams too. It'd be real fun. Maybe I'll do it. We'll see. Um, I was going to say, just kind of looking at this list of games um, and being a kid of the 90s, I I did have probably most Disney movies on VHS. So like I was familiar with Disney. We weren't a Disney family. Like I never went to Disneyland. I didn't do that until about two years ago for the first time or whatever. Converted but, him. Um, knowing what I kind of know about like Disney movies, there was a very strong era of Disney movies really early on. And then again in the 90s. But with this list of games, you're seeing a lot of this, these 80s era um, games, which is a time when Disney movies were not hot like they were at other times. But was like Disney television at that time yes. a stronger property than movies were? Because that's not something I'm very familiar with at all is Disney television. I never watched the Disney Channel. I don't know almost any i'm not familiar with any disney television shows so i was just kind of curious if there was if disney was still hot in the 80s because i'm seeing a lot of games here but i wasn't not really familiar with their television they were not super hot i mean so that disney has always had that thing with abc before they but even before they bought abc right they had you know every sunday night you'd sit down you know back in the you know 50s and 60s with uncle walt and in the 80s it was eisner and he basically they would show movies they made in the 60s and 70s, right? Live action movies and, you know, things like that. I There was kind of a dead spell in the 80s uh, for Disney. And I think, you know, this, you know, they had, and that's why you see with the Sierra games, right? You saw Mickey, you saw Donald Duck, you saw Winnie the Pooh there, you know, they're big name people that are beloved by all, right? There are no movie tie-ins right. or TV tie-ins back then. Yeah, there wasn't like new properties were coming up at that time. No. They weren't there weren't these new characters, they weren't these new movies or shows existing Donald's and Mickey's and the characters that have been around for a while. The, yeah, I mean the the early to mid eighties were a very uh interesting time for Disney. Let's just say they was they they were in the midst of trying the people were trying to take them over and you know, corporate raid them and things. And then yeah. Eisner and I mean, the movie renaissance really, correct me if I'm wrong, but the movie renaissance was really The Little Mermaid in 89. Uh, actually, well, if, if, if it, if it was me, we were talking about, I'd say the great, uh, mouse detective actually started it. Oh, I love yeah, that movie. Um, that was the first of the Eisner Katzenberg, you know, resurgence. I mean, the, it really, the money started coming in with mermaid, Aladdin, yeah. uh, beauty and the beast, but depending on what list you look at yeah it's the great mouse detective yeah but man those those late 80s nes games like they were really trading on i mean the disney afternoon was strong at that point i mean even even i mean i was 13 14 that was junior high for me i came home and watched that stuff because those were they were just great it was great and you know i had a younger brother so he i'm sure he watched it too but ducktales and chippendale and, and tailspin were were top quality I mean, that was, that was what everybody was watching at that point in time. So it makes sense that they were focusing more on their, their TV properties and less on their movies that weren't spectacular. I mean, they had a, yeah. they had like a 10 year drought between like, yeah. uh, Robin Hood and Robin Hood yeah. and then all the way to the Great yeah. Mouse Detective pretty much. Yeah. The second Great Mouse Detective came out on my birthday, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I mean, there were some good movies in the 80s. Oh, we sure. had, um, that's there, uh, the rescuers was in the eighties. The yeah, that was a really good one. I think but. a lot of the the Disney movies from the eighties, I think, uh, are remembered a lot more fondly now than they were at the time. 
You know what I mean? Um, they've, they've, they've done it. They did such a good job of doing that kind of like Disney vault, um, you know, watching these on VHS and they, they created a scarcity and, and people wanted to purchase them. I think they, they lived on, uh, that life a lot, a lot more successfully than maybe they would have, uh, based on their, their take at the movie theater. But I mean, movies, movies are so different now and then than they used to be too, like how distribution works and how, you know, there's no streaming, obviously, and just, just how all that stuff works. So. It's interesting to look I mean, back yeah, on it. If you look at it, you know, if there were, you know, we had Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 88. We had Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 89. Yeah. They they tried the crazy return to Oz in 85. They were just trying new things. And, yeah. you know, you had the Black Cauldron, you had Black Hole, you had Tron. They were just, Disney was trying to find their place and they realized, you know, maybe they should just stick with the classics. Stick with remaking, uh, you know, animations. Yeah. Making fairy tales. Yeah. But man, yeah. those are some great movies. I loved the black hole. I loved, you know, uh, who framed Roger rabbit is to this day, one of my fa- all time favorite movies. So I don't know. I guess this isn't like eight bit movie chat though. So <laughs> sorry. So, uh, yeah. Disney so nerds. What do you do with the, us on our new yeah. podcast? <laughs> so eight bit movie chat I mean, on the eight bit burger chat, you know, there you go. <laughs> so then in the early 90s, Disney, you know, the Genesis came out and they started really throwing games around, licenses around, you know. And honestly, I think one of the best, if you haven't played Castle of Illusion, go back and play Castle of Illusion. That is a really great Mickey Mouse game, um, Genesis game, really good. Um, it, they got so money hungry, though, like I have it here in the notes. In 93, they gave uh, license to Capcom and to Virgin for the SNES and for the Genesis but for Aladdin and they made two completely different games. Right. So nowadays that's kind of unheard of, right? You don't release two completely different games on two different platforms. You wouldn't see that. Right. You wouldn't see. So was it a money thing? I assume. Right. I mean, if Virgin said, Interesting. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. No. It's just, I don't know what else you would. Why Maybe you would let one? It, it is strange, and from what I understand, too, one of those is significantly better. I believe the Capcom one is actually the the better the of Genesis the Genesis version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, I mean, like the like the late nineties and early early eight late eighties and early nineties uh, Disney afternoon ones. The Genesis started killing it. You know, the the Lion King was an amazing game. Aladdin was a great game. Castle of Illusion, like I said, is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no. Castle of Illusion, they redid that too, right? That had an HD up master, correct? It did. Yeah. And you can you can actually Still download it that. on your phone too. There's an app. Yep. So Android and yeah, I actually own it on the yeah. Xbox. I think it's a, an Xbox 360 game that uh it, it was kind of an interesting thing because they made it backwards compatible and then the next day they took it off the Xbox store. I don't know why, but yeah, I, I had a copy of that. So it's fun. I've played it a little bit. It's a it's a very good game. Cool. Um and then, you know, is it kind of peters out at that point. Disney, you know, starts doing their own thing again. So we started seeing, um, you know, uh, Mickey – well, Capcom – Capcom kind of became their in-house for, like, the GameCube stuff. Yeah. Um, and Hudson created some things. But, yeah, it was mostly licensing except for the educational games. And then, you know, we get into the now where Disney created their own thing. Well, I think they they, they kind of – Avalanche. Yeah. I think that they – I want to say that their games became what you expect from a licensed game. And, and by that I mean, hey, it's fun to play because you like that game or you like that movie. Remember, I, I remember playing – 
oh, the Toy Story 1 game or the Toy Story 2 game. I don't remember which one. And going like, this is enjoyable because I like this movie. I like this franchise. I like these characters. But the game's not great. Um, like, they feel rushed. They feel, you know, they feel like a game that you made to tie into a movie. And almost all of their games from, I'm going to say the late 90s until today have kind of felt that way. Um, like the Cars games are okay, but not spectacular. Um, and and I mean, that leads us to to kind of today where they don't develop games anymore. Like, uh, and, and and to some degree, almost don't license their stuff anymore either, really. Um well, so it's interesting, right? They kind of now that they have the Star Wars, and you know, we could go into the EA thing, yeah, how bad that could be. But also, like, you know, uh, going back a little bit, you know, I if you look in our show notes, I kind of stopped listing things around the GameCube, yeah, because there weren't any good games that I remember until Kingdom Hearts came out in two thousand two. Yeah, um, that was you know that and Epic Mickey were the first two games that I was like, oh this is a good Disney game again. Yeah. And then Epic. Epic Mickey was cool. That game was cool. I, um, uh, I, and you know, we can talk a little bit about that. Like, I mean, Kingdom Hearts for me was like the greatest game ever made. Like it took two things that I loved, um, Final Fantasy and, uh, and Disney and brought them both together in a way that was, I mean, spectacular for a lot of reasons. Uh, it was great because I, I got to play as characters I knew, but it was a, an interesting story where I got to visit, all of these different locations that um, had never really had games that I'd played before. Um, And they were all unique and they all, I thought played very well to the strengths of the individual levels. It made sense that when I'm in the Hercules area that I'm playing in a Coliseum and I'm fighting these big, huge, uh, you know, Coliseum type games. And uh, that, you know, the, the, you know, Chippendale were the, the weird little, you know, squirrel or chipmunks they're not squirrels uh chipmunks you know putting together this weird gummy ship for me to transport places that mickey was the king and that minnie was the queen and that i had you know goofy and donald these kind of bumbling helpers that that game that meant a lot to me when i played it. it's it's really one of the only games that i've ever it's probably the only game ever that my wife has said when i came home from work she's like hey do you want to play some do you want to play a video game and that I'm interested in playing it with you? I don't know if that's ever happened in any other video game. So that that game was, was pretty important to me. Um, But you're right. Like up until, up until the Epic Mickey games, I don't know if they really did anything besides kingdom hearts between the late nineties and, and geez now today. Now wish. I mean, I, I, I would call out one game. Well, two games, toy story three from avalanche, was if if you played that game, it had an open world mode where they were experimenting with what would become Disney Infinity. And boy, do I miss Disney Infinity. That game, we have most of the figures. We played the living daylights out of it. We still play it to this day. Um, And it kind of does that, what you were talking about with Kingdom Hearts, but for us, right? We can be like, oh, hey, Star-Lord and Mickey Mouse are together doing fun things. And and interestingly, like like I owned all three of the... uh I owned all three of the uh, Disney Infinity games, but never really got into them. Like they just never worked for me how I how I wanted them to. Um, they they were complicated, and it made me sad that I had to you know buy a whole new set of hardware every single time I wanted a new version of that game. 
Um, I loved collecting the characters, but it, it always seemed like a game that was a little bit complicated to let the, the kids that, it, the, that were the age that it was aimed at to just like, go play like my kid had a hard time just going and playing disney infinity because it's like how do i get from the the creator part of it to the actual worlds of it um like to me disney infinity might have been like disney's biggest what do i want to say their biggest missed opportunity like i think there was something better there than what they made that could have been amazing and just didn't quite just didn't quite get there uh which was which is disappointing to me um, but I mean, that yeah, said, was, you know, yeah. probably their biggest disappointment of that was not keeping Avalanche on as a studio. So, and letting Warner Brothers own it. Dylan, are you Kingdom Hearts guy? Are you excited for Kingdom Hearts 3? I am excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. I never really played the other two. I've seen people play them. I've watched probably, I would say, significant portions of the game. But I think me trying to play that game now just... I'd rather just wait for the third one and enjoy that um, as what it is. And it looks beautiful. So I mean, that's the reality. That comes out tomorrow, right? Oh, shoot. Does it really? 25th? No, it comes out the 29th. Oof. Okay, next week. I, I've got games to beat before that game comes. So <laughs> I, it can't come out sooner than it can't come out sooner than that. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very excited for that, though. Um, you know, another game that I and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it. So maybe you can help me, Hans. Do you remember? a MMO that Disney made in, I'm going to say 2001, 2002, where you played as there was this weird, there were like these kind of robots trying to take over like factories in Disney town. It it wasn't super Disney centric. Like I, it seems like there might've been Disney characters in it. Maybe uh Toontown, Toontown online. Yeah. The, the internet said yeah. online. I was gonna before you started describing. It, I thought you were talking about Club Penguin. But. <laughs> I think I think that they pushed a lot of uh, after Toontown Online went away. I think they pushed a lot of resources into uh, Club Penguin and then also the the Pirates of the Caribbean MMO that they made. Uh, did you ever play Toontown Online? I did not. I forgot that was, about I was that when game. I was talking to you yesterday about it, Dylan. That was the game that when I was unemployed in like 2002, me and my wife so yeah. literally like this is this is this is a throwback. I had a free Juno account that I would run out of my computer into a router. Um, so or man, it wasn't a router. I no, I think we used like Windows connection sharing, so me and my wife could share the same dial-up account, so we could play Toontown online together with my brother and his friend and my friend uh, Mitch. So you know, yeah, Toontown online, That's man. So we funny. we stayed up because I didn't have a job. We'd stay up until like three o'clock in the morning every, every night playing that game. It was not good, but uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So I don't know. Um. Yeah, so Disney made a, a shocking number of 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 really good games that have been at it for a while, and and I mean I think we can talk about now like Disney Disney isn't making games right now. Um, they you know they they pushed the Star Wars license out to EA, and EA's kind of you know EA's put out two Battlefront games, um, the first of which was well received with some kind of grumbling in the back and. 
uh, as someone put to me yesterday, they, they made Battlefront 2, which was the, the microtransactions were so screwed up that it, you know, got the government to investigate, uh, you know, microtransactions as gambling. So haven't had a whole lot of luck there. Almost every other Star Wars game that's in production, I think, has been canceled, um, with maybe the exception of one. Um, the folks that make, um, oh, what's the big running robot game? Um, oh, shoot. The, I played the single player and really liked Dylan, but it's a mostly multiplayer game. Um, uh, Titanfall. The folks who make Titanfall, Titanfall, I believe, are making a Star Wars. It, sometimes it takes me a minute to get there, but I get there, right? Uh, I get why yeah. it's running robots now. It's, uh, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't describe that Man, as the running robot. Like, I'll tell you, you don't <laughs> want to look inside my head. It's a scary, weird place with all sorts of trapdoors and stuff. But anyway, I think the folks who make Titanfall might still be making a Star Wars game. Maybe um, is that Remedy? I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, like they, that license is so screwed up right now. Marvel is just, they're kind of piecemealing it out to people and they're making like, uh, I mean, there's the, the switch game that's coming out, the Mar- Marvel ultimate Alliance three game. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, that except game. that the trailer looks terrible. Um, you know, but I'm like Disney proper, like outside of kingdom hearts, they're not doing anything. That's not a mobile game. Um, and which seems to be where Disney's putting a lot of their game development these days. They've got, um, you're going to have to help me here, Hans, because I only play one of them. They've got Tsum Tsum. They have the one that you actually play at Disneyland. Uh, yeah, Disney Kingdoms, and then they have the Disney Hero Battles. Yeah, and I hear Disney Kingdoms is really cool, but like is – uh, is you know that game where like hey build a thing and then wait four days unless you want to pay ten bucks to get it to build and correct it is a it, what do they call those the it's not pay to win it's pay to speed it up yeah There's yeah a term yeah, for yeah. I, I think that's just free to play games um yeah, terrible is what it is yeah. but I still play it but I mean like they just doubled <laughs> down and and instead of like recognizing that EA was a mistake giving all their IP to one one company they just signed a deal with another company to produce all their mobile games so they're really putting all their eggs in one basket i do you think it's just that disney doesn't understand video games i mean is that the reality of it that disney just doesn't get how it works you know if you read that article and after going through that and looking at all the other things i think that's exactly it i think they well so if you read the article it's really interesting in the mid 90s they were getting popular so every other part of disney wanted a piece of it and they kind of ruined themselves by um bloat yeah right so i think and i think i think now disney is better at compartmentalizing and they have been in the past few years but for a while there right in the eisner area eras and directly after while bob Iger was trying to fix things um there was just so much bloat and overlap that they couldn't do it right i think now I hope this is a reset. I hope we get new Disney games. I hope good people get them. The EA thing really made me sad. Right? You know, um, one game we did not talk about, and it was actually a game that I absolutely adored, was Disneyland. The uh, Oh, yeah, for the Kinect. For the Kinect. And, and they re-released it. If you have an Xbox One X, you can actually get that without the Kinect parts in 4K now. And that game's amazing, but mostly what it makes me want is I want Disney to release a VR game that's just Disneyland because I would 
I would kill to walk around or, or man, what I would even like, cause I can go to Disneyland. I go to Disneyland all the time. Um, I go to Disney World all the time, but man, could you imagine like a VR game of Shanghai Disney or, you know, some of the other, even Paris or, or some of the other parks that aren't in the United States? Like that would be amazing to be able to just, I think people would be willing to pay a lot of money just to be able to go ride the rides to be able to, even if they weren't like, like a, a HD, you know, f- video version of the ride, just to ride a, a unity or unreal, you know, four version of those rides would be, would be something people would be very interested in. I mean, I certainly know I would be, um, but the Disneyland game was really good. Um, so is the Pixar. Oh, they made a Pixar, like a co-op Pixar game that was really fun too. Um, oh yeah, with the little fa- the figures. Yeah. Uh, that was on the Xbox. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but yeah, I loved that game, game too. My, my kid and I beat that game. So I mean, they've had some successes. Um, just I, I just don't understand when you have some of the best IP in the world, how you can't find a partner or own a partner that can make successful games based around it. But I mean, I I guess maybe it goes back to licensed video games for the most part. Like most of them aren't good. Um, You know, I think that's exactly it. I think they're rushed. I think they're crap. I mean, yeah, but I, but it kind of makes, I think the problem is, is when you think about licensed games, so usually you think about a licensed game in the context of um, a game for a movie that is coming out. And maybe maybe the secret is to to not do that. Let's make a Mickey Mouse game and make it as good as it can be. And it's not tied to anything. It's just a really good Mickey Mouse game. Epic, you know, I mean, I think the the worst Castle Illusion. Yeah, the worst problem with that's I think. Yeah, the worst problem with Epic Mickey was that it was on the Wii. Like, you know, I had a Wii and I liked it, but. It was a really good idea. I mean, done by a brilliant developer um, that that couldn't find a place because you had to use the Wiimotes to do this painting stuff. And it just wasn't it just wasn't good enough. Like I actually literally I have a printed out tweet here right right here on my desk that uh, that uh, is a picture of Warren Spector from when I was at Disneyland. And it says one time, uh, once upon a time, Warren Spector was at Disneyland at the same time I was way too starstruck to say hi, but I did take a blurry photo and uh, he was there for the Epic Mickey reveal. And and he did reply. You should have said, hello. I only bite a little. And that was like maybe the greatest tweet that's ever happened to me. So, I mean, Epic Mickey was a great thing. <laughs> it just wasn't implemented very well. Epic Mickey two was a, a way superior game that just got kind of lost. It's a, it's a real shame because both of those could have been good. Um, I don't know. I want someone to make a great Disney game though. I mean, I'm super excited for kingdom hearts, but I, I want someone to make a, I want, I want, I want other stuff. I don't know. Anyway, shoot. they need someone that understands the, you know, and that, you know, in that vein, I don't understand it because Disney is so good at, at marketing themselves in so many different areas. They're so good at um, integrating their brands together. And I don't understand why they have been failing at the video games. Maybe, you know, so, so here's a thought. So maybe the problem is when you think about Disney, Disney, right? The people that make their theme parks, they're Imagineers. They work for Disney. They work in Disney offices. They, they, they live the Disney culture. They, you know, that's all they do. When you think about Disney movies, they work at, you know, the Disney studios. Same thing. They work at a Disney 
location. They eat, live, and breathe Disney all day long. Um, and I would guess for every successful venture that Disney has, that's the same thing. And then you look at video games. They're like, hey, we own Avalanche. Avalanche was based in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, <laughs> which is not a place where Disney has anything else. They're not, you know, eating, living, and breathing the Disney, you know, vibe every day. They, you know, they're having to, you know, hey, we want to do this thing. Okay, well, let's let's have a meeting. Let's take a conference call. Let's do this over the phone. Let's figure this out. Maybe maybe the difference is, is that Disney doesn't just need to own a development studio. Disney needs to create a development studio at the same place as they are, you know, inside the studios or inside, you know, where the Imagineers are. Maybe they need to hire you know, developers that are Imagineers. We need, we need video game Imagineers to come up with the next great Disney thing. Maybe, maybe that's the secret to making a good Disney game is that it has to be done by Disney people, not a company they own or, you know, someone they've contracted out to, to make these video games. That could be the secret. I fixed it. <laughs> now just get hired. You figured yeah. it out uh, at Disney. And that, uh, that will be, tweet, that'll be step two. Right Yep. Yep. Step one is figure out the problem. Step two is get Cliff hired. It is. I mean, I've been trying for 20 years. It hasn't happened yet. So maybe, maybe now is my time to shine. Anyway, (laughs) should, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts on, uh, Disney video games before we get to, uh, Vinny's question? I do not know. All right. So I, I really read that article. It's yes. I, and I'll post that in our show notes. If you, I'm actually going to post a couple of things in our show notes. I will post the, uh, the polygon article about the Disney game industry. And I'll also post the list of Disney video games, just because that's a fascinating walk back through memory lane and, and to see the amazing amount of games that came out. And also just the amazing amount of super talented developers that worked on those games. Uh, so Vinny's question, I, I do you want to do a, Hey, yo, Vinny. There you go. Um, is what NES games would you like to see? I, I presume he means is it is is this what NES games would you like to see come to the Switch, or is this what Disney NES games would you like to see coming? No, he's the any dis any any NES. Game. Ooh, so what? So first of all, like, do we have an NES versus NES problem here? <laughs> we, want, we can make it NES if you'd like. <laughs> Give me as long as we don't say NES. Um, NES, NES, yeah. No, yeah, no, no NES. NES. Okay. I'm okay with. I'm okay uh, so, with. It's not. It's not a NES dispenser. <laughs> it's a. It's a PEZ dispenser. Uh, so Vinny says, "What NES game would you like to see come to the Switch?" And the answer is all of them. But <laughs> no, because there's crap out there. That is true. You don't that want is true. Well, but I mean, yeah, I do because then I can just sift through the crap to get to the good games. Oh, you know, 300 games. Nah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. Okay, So do we all have to pick just one? Because that's really hard. It's easy for me. Dragon Warrior. I want Dragon Warrior real bad. God, Dragon Warrior was such a good game. I just want to play it over and over again and kill slimes. I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of nostalgia for games that, Games that I remember playing when I first got it, like I would, you know, I mean, obviously the first, the first Mario is on it now, correct? Via the the Nintendo internet thing, which I don't own, so I don't actually have it. Yeah, so yes, I think that's what he's talking about is the 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 Nintendo online the, thingy, the virtual library thing that we yeah. get, but they don't call it the virtual library. Yeah, 
so Super Mario's on there. Um, Excite Bike is on there, which is another game I love. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have a, a real soft spot in my heart for Contra. Contra was a game that it was, it was one of the very first games I got with, uh, with my NES. I, I mean, it was the one I got with my NES and I loved that game and I've played Contra over and over and over and over again since then. I mean, that's a, that's a, a game that I have to this day still kind of memorized where, where things are and what to shoot and how to get the spread gun, avoid the laser and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm going to go with Contra, even though there are probably 40 games that I would love to see. How about, how about you, Dylan? you you bring a, a young perspective. I think it's hard because most of the games I had, I think are the games that they kind of have on there already. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I've played that's not. I mean, like, I mean, my favorite games are Mega Man, yeah. but you can get those anyway because they have, like, the legacy collections on the Switch. So I'm not, like, aching for Mega Man because I guess it would be nice <laughs> if it was free. But, I, I mean, I, I already have it. So um, I just got the essence. I just I got the SNK collection answer, for uh, the Switch. I got it for Christmas, and that has Crystallis on it, which is one of my very favorite uh, role-playing games of all time. Um, but it also had Iron Tank on it, which was another game I got like when I bought my my Super or my Nintendo, and I really really liked that as well. So there's some good stuff out there. What about Castlevania? Castlevania oh, is not- Castlevania is such a good game too. The original Metroid. That game was rough, but the original Metroid was good. Uh, RC Pro Am would be fun. I, I really liked uh, Star Tropics oh, yeah. Two. The second one, Zoda's Revenge. One. I don't know if that's. I don't. I I I like that one because I don't think I had the first one, so I don't. I don't know. Um, I might have had both of them. I don't know. Like I forgot cool. about uh, the original Zelda games too. One and two were both on the Nintendo. Those are both great. Yeah. Zelda is on the. It is is already on. Are, is one and two on it? No, just the first, the first one. one. Yeah, I had to pull up the list. Yeah, I, I I like the second one more. Oh no, no, I like. Oh, they're both. It was down. I, I need to subscribe to that. I haven't done it just because I thought it was kind of obnoxious for the most part. But I don't know if something uh, being obnoxious is a reason not to purchase it. <laughs> Bionic Commando would be. Cool. Oh, Bionic Commando was such a great game. Um. Apparently, Castlevania Two was a NES game too. That would that would be a real good one. Yes, it yeah, was that was Simon's something Simon's right. Quest. That was a lot of fun. Oh, the first Yoshi game was man. There were so many good NES games. So many good. I apparently Load Runner was on the NES, and I just want. I, I never played it on the NES. I played it on the Commodore, but I love that game. Does that count? Yes, perfect. It definitely counts. perfect. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time for me to eat dinner and probably for Hans to go to bed because that's how time zones work. Um, oh, <laughs> stupid time zones. Uh, so, do you guys have anything before we wrap up, or should we should we get this show folded? I think we should fold it up and put a bow on it. Poor and- Dylan. Next time we had to come up with something, um, he can discuss more. He just needs to get older. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. I I was interested in a lot of the stuff. I just didn't have a lot of, it was like, I missed it, I I guess. So uh, is next episode going to be fighting games? That's uh, yeah, actually Dylan requested that. So let's, let's do that. Episode seven will be fighting games. Excellent. 
Which is probably just me right. asking a lot of questions again, but I think yeah. it's and I, we're going to try it. and uh, do this more frequently now. We're actually going to like schedule it instead of just like I don't know. You guys want to do an eight bit this week? So we'll we'll try and make it a little more uh, a little more uh, put together. And and because too, we're hopefully the the new way we're recording this will work out well, and uh, we won't have to worry about studio time either. Or uh, yeah, we're at, we're in an yeah, hour so ten far, minutes. It's awesome, it's crazy. We're going all over the place. So. Uh, you know, you can obviously find all of the stuff that Bite Me does at bitemepodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Bite Me Podcast. Um, if you want to come hang out and talk with us on Discord, which I highly recommend, all three of us are in there all the time, uh, especially in the morning. Like if you want to talk to Hans about eight big games, get there, get there early because, you know, time zones are weird. Uh, you can go to bitemepodcast.com slash Discord and uh, figure out how to get at us there. But uh, until then, I think we're going to let Dylan say, Mm. But, but an 8-bit. Bite me. Bite me. Bite me. Bite me.